Welcome to Real Estate Rewind, the podcast that takes you back to where it all started. Nick Baldwin talks to top producers from all levels and brokerages in real estate about how they built the businesses they have now and achieved success through failure. Now, here's your host, Nick Baldwin. Hey everyone, it's Nick Baldwin. Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Rewind. And today we got a pretty awesome guest. His name is Josh Anderson from Tennessee in the Josh Anderson Real Estate Group. And a little bit about Josh, he graduated from LSU in 2004 with a finance economics degree, went to work at an investment bank, and he wasn't being challenged or mentored or growing enough in that position. So in the meantime, he went to get his real estate license, he bought an investment property, and in hindsight, he realized he should probably have money to buy an investment property. So that didn't seem to work out for him. But because he wasn't being challenged enough in his previous industry, when he got his real estate license in 2006, in his first year, he did 23 transactions for about three and a half million in volume. Let's fast forward to now, 2019. But in 2018, his team did 86 million in volume with 217 transactions. And this year, they're going to do about 225 transactions for about $100 million in volume. And they're on track for 2.85 million GCI with about 45% profit margin. And Josh and his team are in the Keller Williams Top 54 Gross Commission, which is an amazing feat. You've come a long way since, since 2006. So Josh, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Nick. I appreciate awesome, it. Awesome, man. So you bought your first, you wanted to buy your first investment property, but realized you need money for that, right? <laughs> small detail, small detail. Minor, but you had big goals though. That's what matters. That's right. You know, I, I think, I think um, starting out, I, I guess in hindsight, I look at it and go, and I just told one of our interns who was leaving uh, after a semester of doing his internship with us, I said, man, you've got the rest of your life to make money. Just go work for somebody that is a great, awesome mentor for you. Go find somebody that you can learn from and grow with or grow, you know, have growth because of. And I just wasn't being challenged and I wasn't being mentored. And I just, there were days I wasn't doing it. I literally wasn't doing anything. I was just pushing stuff around my desk. And, you know, I was making $31,000 a year as a fresh out of college grad, which even then you couldn't do a whole lot with. And, but it was more that I just wasn't being challenged. And so I kind of fell into real estate because I was miserable at my previous career and in industry. And I never would have ever become a real estate agent if, or I would have never thought anybody, you know, if somebody had said, Hey, you're going to be a realtor, I probably would have punched them in the nose because <laughs> I worked way too hard in college to, 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 in my head, become a realtor. And I just had a lot of misinformation and mis just, thoughts around it that weren't true, but it ended up being a perfect fit for me. I love it. You mean when you were a kid and somebody said, what do you want to be when you grow up? You didn't say real estate agent? That's right. Yeah. That's shocking. That was probably, you know, I went through phases of there was probably 20 things I wanted to be and a real estate agent wasn't even on the radar anywhere. Yeah. I mean, my four-year-old wants to be an astronaut, a veterinarian, a construction worker, and a garbage man. Any, any of that is cooler than a real estate agent, right? Yeah. All, all garbage men are the coolest. Yeah. And they make decent money, believe it or not. Yeah. So, so anyway, let's 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 go back. So, you this whole podcast is obviously about growing and overcoming failures and and maybe personal obstacles. And earlier today, you and I are on the phone, 
and you know we were talking about your team and i want to go back to the beginning right so you did 23 transactions for about three and a half million in volume and believe it or not like that's probably four times the average uh, agent in this country is doing. So you had a decent first year for your first, you know, right out of the gate. Yeah. And, and had no clue what I was doing. I mean, I, I literally was the first one to the office and the last one to leave every single day. And I was just kind of overhearing what people were saying. I offered to do anybody in everybody's open house. I mean, I was just, I was doing anything I could cause I didn't know when my next paycheck was. And, I had five grand in my name and I told Gary this, you know, a couple of weeks ago is I literally had five grand and said, I will not ask my father or my parents for any money. Zero. Well, you said Gary. So obviously you're talking about Gary Keller and you were recently on stage at mega camp, which was yep. awesome. And what I loved about this mega camp was that everybody on stage that Gary interviewed, he reviewed their P and L before getting them on stage. And we were kind of talking about this earlier where there's a lot of talk about gross commission going around, but that really doesn't mean anything if you're not, you know, if you're not financially aware of what your business is doing. So that's what we're going to get into later. But so what I love about you so far is that I'm gathering that you're learning based right off right out of the bat, you realize that your first job, you were not getting the mentorship you wanted, because there wasn't much training going on, then you were kind of had a hunger for learning. And so you jumped into real estate and just started doing what had to get done, right? You just started doing the open houses and just kind of hustling. Yeah, I think in hindsight, I, I I did the basics really well, but I didn't I didn't really have a choice. I didn't have I, I don't think I had money or time to not do the basics, but I didn't realize I was doing the basics at such a high level. And again, it was by default because I didn't have any money. So I, I I previewed a certain amount of houses. I wrote tons of handwritten notes. You know, I created an Excel sheet, which was my first database. And it was just, I mean, it was name, phone number, mailing address, email address, and notes section. I mean, it was boring and basic. Well, let me ask you a question. Who kind of taught you or showed you that that was, what was, that that was what you needed to do? So I went through the super duper predecessor of Ignite, which is Camp 443, which was, it stood for four listings and four sales in three months. And they were like, yeah, you need to you need a CRM or a database. And I was like, I don't even know what the hell a CRM is. Right. I mean, they don't, I, they don't teach you that in school. No. So I put together, I didn't have, like, I couldn't really justify the 15 bucks a month for top producer. And I'm not sure that the top producer was probably any better than my Excel sheet. So <laughs> I used, I used an Excel sheet and I just, you know, I just kind of put notes and, and a date next to the person every time I called him in my, my very first way of staying in touch with people was basically I wrote a handwritten note three days later, I called that person. Hey, did you get my letter? I just wanted to touch base and let you know I was in a new industry. Here's what I'm doing now. Is there anything you need? Can I help you in any way? Do you want to go grab coffee or lunch? And then I'd send them an email. Thanks for you know taking my call. And it just kind of built from there. I mean, that's pretty unbelievable because uh, what I have noticed from talking to top agents and from being around top agents and seeing them on stage at events is there's a lot of talk around shiny objects. Realtors have shiny object syndrome worse than probably anybody on the planet. Anybody. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, the big agents, really all they're doing is the stuff that needs to get done. And it's usually really repetitive and boring right? Yeah. And that's one of the things, 
that's one of the things I tell everybody. I, every time I go speak somewhere or on stage or whatever it is, I, I always want to preface, you're not going to learn anything crazy new from me. I might package it a little bit different, but it's, it's the basics. I don't have any silver bullet. It's the silver bullet is like working hard and working smart. And at the end of the day, we've all heard the same things. It's have a database, add value to it, love on it, all those things, just do the basics. And I, I've done a pretty good job of keeping from the shiny objects, but I, I do have to admit, I've, there have been several times when the shiny objects look really amazing and I can see how people get caught up in doing that. I just, I've done them a couple of times over the last 13 and a half years and they never work for me. They literally never work for me. So we all catch shiny object syndrome. I mean, I, I have it pretty bad too, but I, I, I'm doing a good job at staying focused with the systems that work, but you always want to try new things. Let's talk about the first big shiny object mistake you made, right? Because I was talking to uh, an agent uh, on a previous podcast named Mel Parsons, and she made a $6,000 mistake buying a CRM that she thought was going to be like, you know, her, her meal ticket. And, you know, unfortunately it was, it was, like I said, a $6,000 mistake. So like when you're trying to figure out how to grow your team and you're looking at all these shiny bells and whistles, what was a big technology mistake that you made that you thought was going to kind of just be the end all and be all for you? You know, I think a couple of them have been like trying to outsource things that I thought that basically they couldn't do as good as me. Like just the idea of like, outsourcing an ISA. Um, and I think that that's changed dramatically, but, you know, having somebody call expireds and set appointments for me or something along those lines, I've done a couple of those things and they literally never work out. Like when I call them back to confirm the appointment, they're like, we didn't set an appointment. That wasn't an appointment. We just said you could stop by. Like, that's not, we're not, we're not interested in listing our property with you. And it's just, it's so different than how my business runs. Um, and so over the years, I've definitely done done three or four bigger ones that were like kind of wow factor. But I think the biggest piece, and I don't know that it's a technology driven um, piece, but I remember my first admin that I hired and I literally, it was a part-time admin. And this was like within the first year or 15 months that I had my real estate license. I, I really suck at contract to close. I'm just not a paperwork guy. And I know I, I knew that after like my first or second transaction and it's important to know how to do it. It just, for me, I, it's, it's not what I thrive on. And, and there's people out there that love that stuff, the detail. And I hired a part-time assistant off of Craigslist and, you know, it's like the ultimate thing that realtors do wrong is not only hiring incorrectly, but also onboarding, you know, the interview process the training piece, like we hire somebody and then we get so busy, we don't train them. And then we get pissed off because they aren't very good. Well, they're not mind readers. And so I've really had to slow down and like really train people and really set expectations on what, what I want out of them. Yeah, that's a very good point because, you know, a lot of us, you know, we want to make the right hires, but we don't want to go through the process it takes in order to 
make those hires. I mean, you said to me earlier, you took career visioning 17 times and you still, you still shouldn't really be responsible for no. hiring people. Me either. I, I, I shouldn't, if I would hire everyone because I like everybody, I'd be like, Oh, I really like that guy. He's just like me. And I'm like, no, people are like, you can't hire someone who's just like you. Cause then they're going to screw up and not do good at the things that, you know, you yeah. need them to be good at. So, uh, yeah. And the thing is when you hire, you know, there's this whole training thing and people don't want to do that. And when you're doing the training, obviously your business is going to take a little bit of a hit, but the thing is in the long run, it's, it's so important because your business is going to take an even bigger hit if these people don't know what they're doing. That's right. And a lot of agents just don't really understand that. So, all right. So first year, 23 transactions, three and a half million in volume. When did you realize like you were kind of hitting a ceiling and you kind of were beginning, it was the beginnings of, of, of essentially a team. When did you realize that was going to happen for you? I think it, I think around, so I started a team about five years in, but I think I really, maybe four and a half years, I really knew that I had to probably build a team at year three. Um, and that was when I started, like, I think three years in the business for me is when I was like, officially legit April of 2006. So like, it's kind of like now it's in a really good market. A lot of people get their real estate license that don't make it three years down the road. And we all know like 85% of people don't make it their first two years in the business or whatever the number is. So eight, eight like, and a half eight, out of 10. Yeah. It's like 85% fail within the first five years. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I think a lot of my friends and family, thought, uh, he didn't like, you know, the investment banking world. He's just on to his next thing. And this is until he finds something else. And I think at year three, people knew like, all right, he's, he's legitimate. Like this is what he's going to do. And I started getting referrals and I started working like 12 hour days and I couldn't even come close to getting the amount of stuff done that I needed. That's when I knew like, all right, I got to slow down and really hire somebody like from an administrative perspective and also from an agent perspective. Gotcha. So the first hire for you was an admin for sure. Yeah. Part-time admin. And then, the, and then my first full-time admin took me to like 80 transactions. And then wow. it was just too much for, she did, I think she did, took me to like 78 transactions and she was doing contract to close and some of our marketing. And it was just too much. Like in hindsight, she was a really good hire. I just kept throwing stuff over my shoulders, like, you know, do it, do it, do it. And, you know, that's part of, as you do this, I think you realize like, you know, there's, there's times and moments even now that I'm not a good leader. Like I get too busy and I don't slow down and I don't love all my people enough. And just it, you get busy in the business and in the transaction. And um, I think we've got to be conscious because they're looking at us just like our kids look at us for every, I mean, Kids are the ultimate man. They they see you do something. They're like, "Well, you do it, Dad." And you're like, "Oh, okay. yeah." Well, you know, right. it's funny because like uh, the thing the thing is with with your team. You know, I I found really early on when someone on my team wasn't you know wasn't producing or wasn't I didn't they didn't seem motivated. You know, then I look into myself and I'm like, "What am I? You know, what am I not doing?" Right. And then I read a book called The Five Love Languages. And I read it uh obviously to for my marriage, but then I was like, wow, you know, you can use this in areas of your business. Oh yeah. Words of affirmation. So I had an agent on my team who 
I had to tell her how great she was doing at least once a week or else, you know, her motivation would just drop through the floor. And so it's really important to understand the people that are around you. Um, cause sometimes they just need a, Hey, that was a great, you did a great job on that negotiation to just make them be like, Oh, wow. Okay. Now I'm super motivated again. And because we get so wrapped up in the day to day, sometimes we can forget to do that. And we forget how much people rely on us for things like that. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? Uh, is that kind of something that you might've like gone through kind of gets getting to know people? Oh, Oh, yeah. And I think that I've gone through it. I think I continue to go through it. You know, it's one of those things that I just don't need that kind of like, I don't need those words of affirmation mm-hmm. as far as like, Hey, you're doing a good job and a pat on the back. And I realized like one of the girls on our team who's, who's newer, you know, a year and a half in the business and she's really great at what she does. And I don't tell her enough. And she thrives off of people giving her pats on the back and telling her she's doing a good job. Like she needs that. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've just, I've got to be conscious of it more. And, you know, I told her today how awesome she was doing. She literally texts one of the other girls on the team was like, Josh told me I was doing an awesome job. <laughs> and you know, it's like, and I think it's great, but it, you know, like it doesn't matter, you know, people need certain things and I'm just like, that's not how I operate, but I also know I oper- I'm, I'm probably in the minority of like, I don't, that stuff just doesn't drive me. Yeah, just for future reference, Josh, I thrive on being told how great I am. So just so you know. Awesome. Yeah. You're amazing. Man. Thank you, Josh. That's super nice of you to say. Okay, cool. So, so when, all right, so you got the admin half time, part time, you got the full time and then what comes the buyer agent? How did you make that higher? And what, what did that do for your business? And did you like have to do that a couple times or was it one person? How did that look when that, when that came? Yeah. So that, so the first person, the first, um, so the first four years in the business, I doubled my business, at least doubled my business every year for the first four years. And then the fifth year, I think we, we grew, but we grew maybe by, you know, like we grew by like 30 or 40%. And that girl, the first buyer's agent I ever had took me, she did 32 transactions her first year with just, you know, some of our marketing and systems and things, but she, she ended up moving on. And then I hired another girl who really changed my world. She did like 90 deals her first year. I mean, mm-hmm. just, and, wow. and, and, and that was in, that was in like early 2011. And I went to mega camp in 2000, September of 2011 it was when Mega Camp was in September, or was in September, and I came back from there. And I go, I'm going to figure out this showing specialist model. I don't know anybody doing it. Gary, it was kind of a theory at that point. Like it sounded great, nobody was really doing it, and so she figured it out. I mean, we kind of figured it out together, and she we crushed it. Like her and a showing specialist did like 110 deals the first year. Wow. Okay. And. And so that was like the real game changer for me um, was that hire. And she's no longer with me, but she's in, she's still a real estate agent and she's still in Nashville and she does like, you know, 60, $70 million in volume and has her okay. own team and calls me every, calls me every week for advice. And she's awesome. And she's done a great job. Um, the girl she hired who was her showing specialist is, is still with me and just, September 1st was her nine years on the team. So Wow. Okay. So did she graduate to a buyer agent or she's still a showing specialist? No, she's, she's, she's been the lead buyer's agent 
Um, and we, you know, she's been with me for nine years. So, I mean, she's seen everything and she actually, it's amazing besides my wife that another woman <laughs> in my life would put up with me for that long. That's a huge man. So, huge. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, hey, so yeah. When, and you know what? She, yeah. She's really great at training and she's makes very good money and I don't, you know, I let her do her thing and That's she trains awesome. the new agents. Yeah. It's hard to find somebody like that. Uh, yeah. You know, we've all struggled with that. So the, the girl who, the woman who you, who left and now she has her own pretty successful team that, I mean, I think on the flip side, the fact that you, you know, she went off on her own and just continued to kill it. I mean, does that make you feel good? Or are you kind of like, that's awesome, but I oh, wish yeah. on my team, you know what I mean? It's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? You know, I, I, we still talk multiple times a week and I'm happy that she's not on the team. I don't think it was long-term a great fit. She was with me for four or four and a half years. Mm. And man, I love seeing that somebody left my team and is building a huge business. Cause that just means that I trained her really, really well. Yeah, no, that's so for me. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So for me, it's like that, you know, one of the things that I was telling you about earlier was, you know, my passion isn't really selling homes, you know, I could, I could do without yeah. it, but I love helping other agents get better at it. And I love having a team and I love seeing people succeed. And yeah, I mean, if people want to leave because they feel like maybe they've outgrown it or they're ready for, you know, taking on their own, their own thing. I mean, you have to be, you have to be happy for them because you got them, you helped get them there. Yeah. Well, and I think we did a really, I mean, I, I'm really good at training agents. You know, my, my, my crutch is hiring administrative people and that's why my director of operations yeah. does it now. But, you know, backing up to before the, before the um, hiring of, of maybe agents and just having an admin, I think the big thing that people struggle with and, you know, in all that good training that I did, I have to say, we screwed lots of things up. We failed, <laughs> we failed, we failed, we failed a ton. Yeah. And we figured it out together. And, you know, it's one of those things, nobody, nobody's got the perfect blueprint strategy for being successful in real estate. And I think that's part of the struggle with a lot of the, you know, newer agents or people that have been in the business for a while and decided to build a team is like, you know, things I wish I could have gone back and done better would be like, you know, my systems and processes are really great now. They're not perfect. And we have to, you know, we have to change them constantly as our team changes and as the market changes. But I'm not naturally, I don't naturally gravitate to systems and processes. I've had to really make myself do that. Just like I had to make myself learn a P&L statement. I mean, it's really easy as an agent in my first three or four years to not look at numbers and go, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I didn't know how much money I made in my first four years. No, like no way. I put all the money back in the business anyway. Right. So Gary Keller calls and says, Hey, I want to see your P and L. You're like, um, Oh, I gotta, I gotta make one of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've known it for the last five or six years, but you know, know, the first couple of years you, you know, it's just one of those things that you just don't really learn how to do. And it's really, again, it's kind of easy to not have to look at it. it, it, it and it's, it probably gives you a little less anxiety so, when you don't I, have to look at it, but then you look at it and you realize, Holy crap. And then yeah. having it makes you feel better. So talk to me about, I'm not a numbers person either. So putting a P and L together, 
my wife is all responsible for that. She handles all the finances. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't have a credit card at all. Um, so talk to me about the systems and processes that you have, like what, you know, what, where's your business come from primarily and what's that look like, you know, based on the different sources. So do you guys do expires and FISBOs? Is sphere of influence based? Do you have some internet leads? What's, what's the, what's the look, what's it look like for your business? So about 75% of our business is some kind of past client sphere of influence database agent referral from around the country. Like three, three out of four deals comes from already in our world people. So all database driven of some sort. And the other 25% is video and, you know, maybe a little, like there's a little bit of internet leads in there and some sign calls and other things, but primarily our business is, and the reason our profit margin is so high is because we work our database. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just love it on your database. And that's, someone said recently, if you're not in your database, someone, uh, someone else is, I, I think that's uh, a great yeah. phrase. And in this day and age, every, in this day and age, everyone's in your database, Amazon, Facebook, they're all in your database. That's right. Uh, so I noticed something. So, okay. So sphere of influence, great. Some, some internet stuff, uh, which is, which is awesome too. So I'm noticing something, uh, last year you did 217 transactions this year. You're going to do 225, but you're, but your volume is going to go up about 14 or 15 million. So have you purposefully targeted a higher price point and how did you start doing that? Yeah. So about, about five years ago, our price point was like 250 and there's been, it's kind of like evolved over the last five years of being purposeful about changing that price point. Part of it was, you know, working, certain areas for expireds, like very specific price points and working with, you know, builders and developers on finding dirt. And then they could tear the house down, build two back. And it was triple the price of the house Mm -hmm. previous to that. So we got purposeful on that, but you know, part of it is also just a function of the Nashville real estate market. Like there's a ton of people moving here. Our, 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 our prices have gone up over the last five years. Um, so part of it is just the market and part of it is us being very purposeful about it. So it's a good, we're, we're almost at, we're right under 500,000 as an average for the team when our market average is about 295. That's wow. That's pretty amazing. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's very, it, when, when your price point is that much higher than the, than the average, you're definitely doing something with intention, which I, I love to see, you know, so many people, uh, well, let me, let me ask you this. How, what would advice that, what, what's the advice you would give to an agent who, you know, cause I was gonna say so many agents are like, how do I increase my price point? Right. So like, what are some of the things that you have put into place with your team to get to that? average price point when the average price point for your area is so much lower? What are some of the tools and, and systems you're putting into place for that? So some of that is, some of that is partly the location of our office. Um, I bought an office about two years ago and it's very highly visible right in the middle of the city, right next to Vanderbilt university. So I think that's part of it. I think part of it is there are people on the team that work expireds and they work very specific uh, areas that are in certain price points and uh, 
certain demographics. So it's it's that piece. It's um, it's partly that we worked with a ton of first time buyers over the years, and they're all moving up into. They now are married and have two or three kids, and they're moving into the next house that they're going to be in for 10, 12, 15 years. So they're they're going up a okay. good amount on average pro- or on the next house. So they might be going from a four hundred thousand dollar house to a Eight hundred and fifty or nine hundred thousand dollar house because they're going to be there for fifteen years. So you're being purposeful, not only just in your database, but purposeful with past clients who maybe they're having children and you're checking in on them and they're going to up upsize and so on and so forth. So that, I mean, that's a great piece of advice, right? So you know, I know a lot of agents get into the business and they start working with first time buyers you know, you got to keep tabs on those people when they have children, right? That's the time to reach out, you know, and see how they're doing. And, you know, hey, are you starting to grow out of that home? You know, that type of thing. Um, So I think that's huge advice, really, uh, to just be so aware of what your database is doing, and not enough of us are. So let's talk about... Yeah, and I think uh, think one of the... Oh, I was gonna say, I think one of the things that you know, people always talk about farming and I would say we really don't geographically farm. We probably demographically farm. Um, like we do housewarming parties and we do client events and ask everybody to invite a friend that's not in our database. I mean, we're, we're wanting to work with friends of friends and friends of clients. And, you know, that we're, we're demographically marketing or farming, our database or, or an area or the country club or the private school or the whatever it is. Like we're, we're not farming an area and throwing stuff against the wall as much as we're trying to connect with people that are like-minded. Yeah. That may, that makes a lot of sense. Like I love purposeful prospecting and farming. That's really what uh, most agents should really be spending their time on. I've never been big on sitting in front of a computer, just, calling random for sale by owners and expires. That's just never really been my thing. So we've always been about 60% sphere and repeat. So that's huge. I love that. Hey, Josh, talk about, you know, because now your team is, I mean, how many agents do you have on your team? What's your team look like right now in terms of um, people and, 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 and staff before I ask the next question? Yeah. So we've got, um, it's myself and six agents. And then we have, Six, let's see, five, sorry, uh, myself and six agents, five employees in office, and two virtual assistants. So six agents, right? And you're headed towards 100 million in volume. And what people have to realize there is you've got really productive agents, right? So yep. you, you see a lot of teams, I feel, posting on social media hey, we did 100 million in volume but they've got like 30 agents and you're like, yeah, if you're not doing that with 30 agents, then I'd be worried. <laughs> you yeah. Know? I don't, I don't want to manage 30 agents. No. Number one. And I don't want to manage 30 agents that are $3 million producers. Right. Um, I, I want, I want five agents that each want to do somewhere between 15 and 35 million is, is kind of where we're at. We've we're, we're, we're between about, Six million and thirty-four million, I think, between agents at different volumes. Are you still in production? Do you ever do, take a listing, or are you just kind of in the in the training and and just 
evolving the team? I'm still in production. I I, I like the listing side of the business, mm. um, but I also, you know, my goal is to be out of production over the next couple of years and mm. really focus on business development. Mm-hmm. You know, HR departments, physician groups, relocation stuff, builders, and really just spending 50% of my time doing that and spending 50% of my time, you know, training and coaching the team. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. So in the next two years, that's just, that's what you want to do. And you want to have, do you want to have someone kind of, you know, so you'll be seventh level essentially, and you have someone overlooking the team for you. Is that what you want to implement? Right. But I still want to be involved in the day to day of like, I, I think where people, I think, you know, and I mentioned this to you earlier is I think there's a lot of, a lot of people think they're just going to build a team and then step away from it. And I think that's where I see so many of these big teams that have to, they, 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 they either don't do it right or they don't insulate themselves enough. And they, you know, they're out of production for a year and a half and then they get, they're rusty and they have to get back in production because, you know, one or two people from their business left and they go, Oh shit. <laughs> and I just like, I think it's the biggest detriment to people's, you know, businesses is that they think they're going to build a business and just like make this passive income and all of a sudden be out of business, you know, out of production and like, just go do something else. And that's just not how it works. Well, yeah. I mean, I talk to agents every day in my team leader role and, you know, some of them are interested in starting a team, you know, and I go, well, why do you want to do that? Oh, you know, because I want other agents to like sell houses so I can make more money. I'm like, no, that's, that's not, why you start a team and yeah and they're not going to stay very long if you're not present and you're not coaching them to be better humans basically because you're always going to have to be stepping back in and if you pay attention to them and you have your hands in the dirt so for me i mean it's important to have my hands in the dirt like i was telling you before i don't want to sell homes anymore but i'm still really involved in my team and i'm really involved in the systems and the processes it's just the actual selling homes. It's not something I enjoy, but I enjoy helping them get better at it. So, yeah, I love that. Uh, I love that aspect of the business, Josh. So, I, your business is, is is just like going through the roof over the last what is it, thirteen years or so? Yeah. Um, since two thousand and six. That's that's kind of phenomenal. Um, so where, you know, you want to go more into relocation, what's the next step for you and the team? And what kind of advice do you have for agents looking to, you know, do what you're doing? I mean, you started in the dirt, hustling, doing what you had to do on the day to day, doing the open houses, making the calls. Um, Obviously, it's nice to have a CRM to keep yourself organized. But, you know, like really, what do you suggest for agents to do and why do you think so many agents just can't wrap their brain around what needs to get done? Because when you look at, like I said, the big agents and the mega agents that are doing this stuff, it's not rocket science, you know? Yeah. The problem, the problem is it, just like we said earlier, it's the shiny, shiny object syndrome. And, and really at the end of the day, success is boring and, and it doesn't have to be boring, but it's, it's not, it's not that my business is boring or that I'm bored. It's that <laughs> doing things consistently and repetitively yeah. is a boring task because yeah. people don't want mundane. And so that's why they gravitate to the shiny objects. And so I would tell agents, 
you know, just learn the basics and master the basics and really put systems and processes in place. Like I see so many teams and I'm, I'm kind of air quoting teams right now. I see all these <laughs> teams and really they're just a group of people yeah. that share like a common name of the team, mm-hmm. but they're all individuals. Like they're not, they, they, they don't win as a team and lose as a team. They're not, they're not playing as a team. They're not picking people up off the ground to help them to hit the goals. It's a bunch of individuals that are out for themselves that happen to be under a group name. And I, I, I don't see very many teams that are truly like really well-built teams that have really great systems and processes in place. And I think that just slow down for the agents that want to build a team or that they want to, even if you don't want to build a team, just success is going to be there. Find good people, go, go shadow them. You know, they can come to Nashville and we do shadow day once a quarter, like come to Nashville and I might not be able to show you. I might, I might not be the ideal team that you want to shadow or be like, but I can tell you this, you can come shadow us for a day and I can tell you all the things that I screwed up and that, that like what not to do to be successful. Yeah. Well, so, uh, I'm going to, I think I'm going to come shadow you. So tell what's Perfect. it, what's it look like in a, in a regular day at, uh, on the, on the, on the Josh Anderson team? What's it look like, you know, when the agents come into the office, how do they start off? Yeah. So, you know, my, my director of operations and my listing manager are there both by seven thirty, seven forty-five. 45 agents are typically getting there somewhere between eight and eight forty-five. A couple of them roll in at like nine, nine, 10. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you they all come in at perfect. You know, it's, it's hurting cats some days, but they know there there's, there's no closings and not none, but very seldomly do we have closings and walkthroughs and buyer consults before about 1130. And the idea is that we've got to time block the things that are important and those are important activities, but never give up never give up future business for the business that you already have. And so block off that two, two and a half hours every day and lead generate, whether it's face to face, whether it's phone calls, text messages, you got to get that piece in. And that's where agents get very cyclical businesses because they go show a house and it, it wrecks their entire day. Never give up future business. Never give up future business for your current business that you already have. Love it. Great, uh, great reminder. Something that everybody should post on their wall. (laughs) Uh, Josh, this is awesome. A lot of great, a lot of great takeaways here um, on really just being learning based and doing what needs to get done and not making excuses and things kind of come naturally. And then, you know, you'll be on stage with Gary Keller, just like Joshua. <laughs> you know, there's only a few of us that get that opportunity. And it's something that, uh, you know, at least I want to strive for, for sure. Um, yeah. And your beard was on point. Your blazer was uh, on point. I mean, you're just looking amazing. Well, you know, I was on yeah. stage talking about designs, which was super fun. Uh, designs in command. 
I mean, I don't know if I want Gary to ask me about my business. That's kind of getting, I mean, what, let me ask you that. So the first time you talked to Gary Keller on stage, what was that like? I mean, he's asking you big questions about your business where you just, I mean, what was, what was that feeling kind of going through you? Yeah. So a uh, couple, you know, Mega Camp 2019 was the second time I've been on stage with Gary. Um, and it was the first time I've been on stage with Gary, just one-on-one. The last oh, time yeah. was a panel, was a panel of kind of like your setup. There was like three of us and he was asking us different questions, but you know, one-on-one, it was actually more relaxing than I thought it was going to be, but you know, you can prep with Gary all you want. You don't know what questions about to come out of his mouth. It just, it's very nerve wracking. <laughs> really? You think? Yeah, really? Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you probably have a pre-interview just kind of covering some bases and then he, did he throw some curveballs that you didn't expect? You know, not too many, but, it, but it's never, you just don't know. I mean, he, he, he probably has those pre-interview conference calls with everybody, you know, with a lot of people that are going on stage and I don't know what he remembers and doesn't remember. And I know he's probably got notes and all those good things, but he still might, he might be in a certain mood and want to just really hammer on P and L statement or, you know, something else like systems and processes and, or something that you guys didn't even talk about. And you're like, uh, Gary, I wasn't prepared for this. I'm just kind of like <laughs> wing it a little bit. Well, the thing that we all have to understand is, you know, not only does Josh have a successful team, you know, he made some mistakes early on in his career, but he's always kind of done what needs to get done. And he is profitable, which is not a lot. Not a lot of agents can say they're profitable. And the reason is because you're just really paying attention to your database. So those are some great takeaways for me, and I hope everyone got a lot of good nuggets from this, just like I did. And if you liked listening to Josh, uh, do us a favor. Leave a review. Give him five stars. Make a little note down there in iTunes or Spotify, and tell uh, tell us how much you liked it. And if there's a button to subscribe or follow or download, make sure you hit that button. And Josh, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, if they want to pick your brain through email um, or find you on Facebook, where should they go? Yeah, they can, they can go to our website at joshandersonrealestate.com or they can find me on Facebook. Um, probably easiest to either just find my personal profile or go to the Anderson Group Real Estate Services and leave us a message. So joshandersonrealestate.com, and I'm guessing there might be a few Josh Andersons on Facebook. Yeah, it's the good-looking one. (laughs) There you go. Make sure you friend the good-looking one. Um, Josh, thank you so much for being here. It's been a lot of fun, and we will see you next time on Real Estate Rewind. Hope you like this week's show. Feel free to share it with anyone looking to improve their career and their bottom line as a real estate agent. And don't forget to subscribe so you'll know when new episodes are posted. Real Estate Rewind with Nick Baldwin. Real Estate Unwound.